0: Welcome back to your Haunted Holiday. This is Lindsay. And this is Lisa. And I have a good episode. I'm surprised we haven't covered this place before because it's actually the former home of a very well-known author, someone who's written all kinds of American classics, and it is currently a museum. And guess what? It's haunted probably by this famous guy.
1: (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. This sounds fascinating though. New place we haven't covered. Yeah, definitely. It's it's actually a beautiful home, an
0: old Gothic style house. I would love to go see this place. And also it's haunted. So it's a big perk. This is your haunted holiday at the Mark Twain house in Hartford, Connecticut.
1: all right everybody well we want to thank you as always for listening to the show and don't forget that we have this now on youtube if you want to watch us actually talk through this see our visual reactions you can go subscribe to our youtube channel by looking up your haunted holiday And of course, don't forget to leave a review on whichever podcast platform you are listening to us and share the show with your friends and family to help us grow our audience. Definitely.
0: Share the show and yeah, check us out on YouTube if if you haven't yet. Okay, let's dive into this haunted old house, currently a museum. But first, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Mark Twain. You know, we've all come across some of the stories and like the books that he's written in one way or another, whether it's we saw a movie, based on one of his novels, that kind of thing. Like, we're all familiar, but we might not know, like, exactly who he is, right? So some of you may already be aware. I was not. Maybe I should have been. But Mark Twain is not even his real name. That's actually just a pen name that he used. His real name was Samuel Langhorn Clemens. He was born in November of 1835, and he lived up until April of 1910. So really, that was just his very famous now pen name and in fact that's what the house is called nobody knows the name Samuel Clemens but that's what he went by so very very brief history on Samuel Clemens he was raised in Missouri he was inspired for a lot of his novels like the adventures of Tom
1: Sawyer and the adventures of Huckleberry Finn those are probably his two most famous that's what I definitely associate him with is uh, yes. you know, Tom Sawyer Huckleberry Finn along the Missouri River
0: And you know what always comes to mind is that movie in the 90s. I think it was, wasn't it Jonathan Taylor Thomas that was in the Tom Sawyer Huckleberry Finn movie? I I don't even remember what they called it. It was definitely a riff
1: off of both of those books together, right? Yes, I I do remember that. And I'm pretty sure it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And I feel like I liked that movie when I was a little kid. (laughs) But yeah, that's what
0: I think of when I think of Mark Twain. He married a woman named Olivia Langdon in 1870, and they would ultimately have four children together, three daughters and a son. In 1872, they, they gave birth to their daughter Susie, and sadly, that same year, their first son Langdon died from diphtheria. Um, and this was, of course, prior to the house, and we'll get into that and when that was built shortly. This was actually right before the house was built, so... So incredibly tragic. And their son was very young at the time when he passed away. And you'll find as we talk through this, there was so much tragedy. And I, I'm giving you such a brief history, but having four kids, you'll see there's some real tragedy here and some trauma for both Samuel and Olivia when raising their family. Yeah. Some I of that think, might come back to the haunting.
1: Yeah, and I, I think like this tends to be a theme, right, for, for some of these families that are not even necessarily larger but you know we go back to a lot of our episodes and there's so much tragedy and you think about all the advancements that we've had in medicine and health just in general i it's so crazy to think about living in that time where you know this type of thing was very common yeah absolutely
0: yeah that's very sad and we'll kind of get to some more of this stuff including a death that we know was in the home that we're gonna talk about today. So the other the other thing is, you know, 1873, um, they actually, both Olivia and Samuel, they hire their architect, Edward Tuckerman Potter, who is the one who designs this Gothic home that is truly beautiful. And it's, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's in Hartford, Connecticut. Samuel loved this house. In fact, there's quotes out there of him talking about basically how he really believes the house is live. Like it almost has a soul of its own. He was so inspired that he wrote some of his most famous books while actually living in this Connecticut home. I'll read out some of the most famous ones that he wrote while living there. Uh, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Life on the Mississippi, The Prince and the Popper, The Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, and of course, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. So his most famous stuff, all written while he was living in this house that he loved. This place is beautiful. So I said it's gothic, but they also even hired designers from Tiffany, as in like the light blue, very pretty Tiffany and company for like some of their walls and ceilings. So if you get to go see the museum, I mean, they put some money
1: into this place and they really made it really really pretty and And nice is is it a mansion like was he rich back in his time frame like I know his books are really popular today and it's you know part of you know Mm -hmm. typical reading in school but like was he even super famous back then and and had this opulent property or what was it like He was rich. So, I mean, he was
0: rich, but they did eventually run into some financial trouble, which I'll get into very briefly here in a moment. But yeah, he made some really good investments, I think, early in life and his books were selling. So he actually, this is a three story. It's a mansion. It's over 11,000 square feet. Um, It has 25 rooms in this home and they spent at the time. So back in 1873 to 1874 was 1874 is when the home was actually finished, but they spent between forty thousand and forty five thousand dollars on this home which I converted forty five thousand dollars is give or take at the time about 1.8 million dollars today so yeah they spent quite a bit of money they obviously were well off and you know they didn't spare expenses when it came to decorating it either to an extent right they they ordered designers from Tiffany which is a very famous jeweler wow they, they it's it's really really a cool house. And if you look at the pictures, just the way they've restored it today, they really make it look nice. I would love to live in a house like this. Yeah. So, it was a very happy time for the family. They loved their home, like I said, but they also did run into financial prob- trouble. So, apparently Samuel had made some bad investments. And it, it really took their financials south. So, it, back in 1891, the family actually left for Europe um, in order to kind of get away and spend a little bit less money, I suppose. But they still owned the home at the time. So, back in 1896, this is where tragedy really strikes for the family in the home. Susie, their daughter, who I believe was 24 at the time, is back at the home visiting. She dies of meningitis. And it's a result of Susie's death back in 1896 that really triggers them to never go back to the home afterwards. They were just so heartbroken and sad. They just could not imagine going back to the site of her death.
1: Oh, man, that's terrible. Especially, you know, you love this home so much. It must have had, I'm sure, a a massive impact on them.
0: Absolutely. So, I, I just cannot even imagine. So in 1903, ultimately, they kept the house up until 1903, and they sold that to new owners, where it ultimately exchanged owners multiple times. At one point, it became even, I believe, like an apartment complex on the second and third floors. There was a historic society that purchased it and began to start restoration efforts. And that was in 1963, the house becomes designated as a National Historic Landmark. And they begin the formal restoration of the home, which is what you actually get to see today. Some other tragedy, but it did not occur in the home, but it was tragic, of course, for um, Samuel and Olivia. In 1909, their youngest daughter, Jean, dies from an epileptic seizure. And this leads to the only living child named Clara by the time of Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens' death in 1910 so three out of four of their young children pass away before he does and in fact olivia passes away before samuel does
1: as well oh my goodness that is horrifying
0: tragedy so we know of at least one death in the home that that occurred they also had you know people who worked there in the house And they also had a lot of love for that house. So for me, these are really great recipes for a haunting. So maybe Susie is still there. I'm going to talk about the hauntings here in just a moment. And probably Mark Twain and some other family members and other people who worked in the home. All right, let's talk about the ghosts that people believe are haunting the old Mark Twain house, currently a museum. So they were also, it sounds like Samuel and Olivia and his whole family were interested in the paranormal just in general. And they would actually attend seances, they would see mediums. Supposedly, Samuel claims that he had an experience with the paranormal including an instance when his younger brother passed away many
1: years earlier.
0: And so he really believed in the
1: paranormal, right, already, which is interesting. That is interesting. I also wonder if that, like, lends itself to the future haunting, right? Because, like, I always think, like, you know, whenever it is that I pass away, if I have loved ones still here, I'm probably going to show up. And hopefully it's not scary. I'm not going to intend for it to be scary. But if I have the option... You know, I'm gonna probably show back up and and spook ya, right? So like I wonder if that's like something spook ya. (laughs) Well, just probably like natural. Don't spook me. Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: yeah. I I, I don't know. Like I go back and forth on that. I think a lot of these spirits seem like they're trapped, you know, and I don't wanna be trapped right over here. I would much rather move on. But if I have the option to come back and maybe visit a location that I loved, your people that I care about—I'd be open to the option, but
1: I don't want to be trapped. One hundred percent, and I think there's a lot of stories out there where people are attached to a specific place that brought back amazing memories right I mean we literally just did an episode on the Hotel Bethlehem where somebody was born there they didn't die there but some of their best memories as a child were singing in the lobby and and things like that and that wasn't even this individual's home that they had built right so Mm -hmm. I think people can have attachments to place and I'll be really curious to know you know is it residual with Mark Twain or Samuel or is it, you know, he's there and he's, you know, seems to have some intelligent haunting going on.
0: It sounds like maybe a mixture of things. So, you know, there there is a lady in white. And this is something we hear about in a lot of different places, right? But this is a particular woman who's wearing period clothing. Her hair looks like Not modern day hair. How to describe that exactly? I don't know. And she's semi-transparent and she's seen walking the halls and suddenly just disappearing. A lot of people think maybe this is Susie Clemens, the daughter who passed away of meningitis there in the house.
1: That would make sense.
0: I read something about some like psychic mediums being there and they do think some of these apparitions are intelligent and do see the people coming in and out and acknowledge them. How real that is, I don't know. But as far as this woman in white, I don't, I haven't read anything about her acknowledging someone's presence, more just kind of roaming the halls and vanishing out of nowhere, right?
1: Doing her thing. There's also
0: a, right, exactly. There's also a lady in black. And some people think maybe this is Olivia, the wife of, of Mark Twain, Samuel. She has less details. The lady in white seems to be something that people see more frequently, would be my guess, just based on what I was able to find online. There are fewer details about the lady in black, but people do claim to see this apparition. And this is someone who is a woman wearing all black, and she has a black velvet bonnet in some cases. So very interesting. And considering the tragedy that they experienced with their children, I could see how maybe Olivia would be wearing all black, kind of like a funeral.
1: Right, because back then, I mean, that was pretty typical. You'd be in mourning, you would wear black. I wonder if there's any you know photos of her out there wearing something similar I would imagine there probably is just simply like you said because of the tragedy Hmm. absolutely
0: I think it's interesting so two clear apparitions that people see there regularly enough to where it's reported right which is interesting the other thing that people report very frequently is cigar smoke so people who work there They report smelling cigar smoke around the house, mainly in the billiard room, and it is reported that Mark Twain smoked up to 40 cigars a day
1: in that house. 40 cigars a day? How long did he live, out of curiosity?
0: um, I think he was, let me see, he was born in, don't make me do quick math, in, in in 1835 and died in 1910, so... Let's see. He was like, what, 75? Wow. And and for... 74, 75. I might have read
1: 74 somewhere. Maybe his birthday hadn't quite hit yet. But yeah, he's in his 70s. And for that long ago, I mean, that's a pretty significant, you know, lifespan for sure. I, mean... I are, Were these like full... I'm sorry to go off on this, but were these full-size cigars? I feel like cigars take a long... He must just be sitting there smoking them all day long. But I guess with some cigars... Some people aren't necessarily inhaling it; they're just kind of like chewing on it, taking in like yeah. the the flavor. So, wow, that is forty I, cigars. It's got to be Mark Twain in there if you smell that cigar smoke. I would imagine. I agree, and well, the other
0: thing that I think, if I'm if I'm thinking about like what could an explanation for this be? I mean, granted, this is like over a hundred years ago since Mark Twain has even lived in the house, right? So you think any cigar like smoke that's still hanging against the walls and that kind of stuff is probably gone by now. But I mean, who knows? Like maybe there is some sort of like lingering odor of cigars. I mean, if you're smoking that many cigars in a day, like that's got to make an impact in the house. Absolutely. Unless it's completely gutted.
1: I would maybe think it would linger. I, like, especially if it hasn't been painted since I'd imagine it probably has like it's are been there stored. Any, yeah. Right. Like I, like the rugs probably are different than they were back then. Like, I don't know. You I think, think it's I think it's hard to believe, actually, that you would be able to smell cigar smoke from a hundred years ago in a house that's, that's been painted and restored. Maybe there's some pieces that are still left behind, but I can't imagine that that would have a cigar smell into it.
0: I agree. I agree. Over 100 years, no way, right? But that's where my head goes, is like, could it be still from way back? But probably not. So sounds like Mark Twain is hanging out in that house, smoking cigars, hanging out in his billiard room. So something to be on the lookout for should you go to this museum. There is a post, I read this um, article from the Connecticut Post... That was dated back in October of 2020, and it was they were talking about, because it was Halloween time, they were talking about the hauntings there, and one of the staff gives a story that I'm going to read while she was giving a tour. This is what she encountered. So she goes, after the first time we were featured on Ghost Hunters, which they were on Ghost Hunters, they were also on another show called My Ghost Story, by the way. So there are some episodes out there. Hard to find. I tried to find the Ghost Hunters episode. I couldn't find it. So maybe you all will be more lucky than me. But okay, so she goes on to say, after the first time we were featured on Ghost Hunters, we started giving the Graveyard Shift tours. They were so popular, we started giving them year-round. It was fascinating to speak with the people who wanted to come and experience them. Early in the summer of 2010, I spoke with a gentleman named John, who was a non-believer, but was scheduling a family vacation for his wife and sons to visit the sites the Ghost Hunters had investigated. I'm not sure how many they had visited, but when John and his family arrived, he was still a non-believer. I was the person scheduled to give the tour he and his family were taking. After the tour was over, John came to me and asked who he had been, who had been in a section of the house as we were outside before our tour entered the building. I had to tell him no one could have been in that room he was speaking of, as the previous tour was already departing the Mark Twain house as we stood outside and the room in question is roped off to all visitors and staff. So people can look in from the nursery, a room where much activity has been reported. John was insistent he had witnessed a man opening the window. He even made the motions of the way the man was opening the windows. I laughed and said, that isn't possible. He was so insistent. And as it was the last tour of the evening, I took him back to the house to show him that the room was not accessible He left that second visit to the house a believer as I showed him a room question.
1: You know, I like John because John's a skeptic, but he is doing what his family wanted to do. And it sounds like visiting a lot of different ghost hunting places. Sounds like a really fun family vacation right up our alley. Maybe John's family will eventually listen to this show. That's, I mean, kind of what our show is based on. Mm -hmm. But... He's a believer now. He saw something at this Mark Twain house, yeah. which is really cool.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a cool story from that newspaper, so I wanted to share it. And I love the stories where somebody encounters something, and they're a true skeptic, and they walk away going, well, there's no explanation for that. Because you and I, Lisa, know that sometimes there is no explanation, and it's a ghost. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it, right? And yeah, these old haunted places with lots of history, it can definitely happen. All right, so it sounds like multiple apparitions you could potentially run across, not just the woman in white or the woman in black. Sounds like there's ghosts walking around here that you could run any given time, right? Which is very exciting. Some other random reports, just unexplained sounds, voices, lights turning on and off, other apparitions, like I said, objects moving. Apparently a security guard that works there saw a tray fly across the room and like, hit a pipe against the wall very abruptly with some force behind it. The other thing that people report is clothing being tugged on, they think maybe by little kids that could be haunting the house. So lots of potential hauntings, lots of examples of people experiencing weird things. Yeah, lots of things to potentially run across when you visit. So let's talk about how you go visit this place, the cost, that kind of stuff. Of course, prices and times that they're open and all of that are subject to change after we record this podcast. Okay. So keep that in mind, but they have a couple of different tour options. So they have their guided tours and that kind of thing, which I'm going to talk about first. And then they also have a graveyard shift tour, which I love because not often do you see some of these historic sites truly embrace their ghosts nice thing about the Mark Twain House is they do embrace their ghosts. So we'll talk about that tour last because I think that's the one that all of you are going to be the most interested in. But first, let's talk about the guided tours. So they have two different types. Um, They do want you to purchase your tickets in advance. Sometimes they can sell out. Don't just show up. You could, but there's a good chance they're going to be sold out and you're going to be turned away. They can't accommodate it. So go to their website, make a purchase before you show up. They are open six days a week. They're typically closed on Tuesdays up until April of each year. And they're open from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And once April hits, they'll officially be open seven days a week, probably just kind of a slow season, January through March for them. They have two types of guided tours. One is a general house tour, which lasts about 55 minutes. For adults, it's $26. Seniors are only $24. Children 6 through 16 are 14, so you get a nice discount. And children under 6 years old are free on this general house tour. So, not bad. And it's a good hour tour.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a totally reasonable price to go get a tour of a beautiful historic house.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the nice thing is, sure, this is going to be during the day. Ghosts come out during the day. If you can't do an evening tour or it doesn't happen to be during the the time, because these graveyard shift tours I'm going to talk about don't happen all the time, okay, but these daily ones do. If you're not there during a time where there's a graveyard shift tour, sign up for a daily regular tour because you just never know. Bring your K2 meter, right? Like, bring it. Bring your EMF detector. Like, who knows what you're going to come across?
1: like people probably won't judge you for that because there's probably a lot of other people that are interested right (laughs) if you show up with your k2 meter at the the daytime tour I know I would be interested to see what the results are I I would bring mine at
0: this point having this podcast I have no shame okay maybe like a few years ago I would have been like oh God you know am I looking dumb here with this no you know what I'm here for ghosts. I'm here for the tour. I'm here for the history. I'm here for the ghosts. All of the above. The the other type of guided tour that you can take is called a living history tour. It's going to be more immersive. They're going to actually have actors throughout the home who, you know, portray people who would have lived there in the past. And some of the people who would have worked there in the past as staff, that kind of thing. This is going to be 70 minutes. So it's going to be a little bit longer and maybe a little bit more interesting. Totally up to you what, what what you would maybe want to do with this. And adults are $29, children up to 16 or 21. So it's going to be a little more expensive and there's no free option for those kids under 6 either. So um just something to consider if you want to get more immersive with that. That is an option. And lastly, and let me also say this. They do a lot of different events and stuff throughout the year where they'll have Guest speakers and stuff show up up to the house. You can go to their calendar. Just go to their website. It's MarkTwainHouse.org. They have a whole calendar and a list of events that they do. So, tons of options. Go check that out. But I'm not going to talk about all those. The thing I'm going to talk about that's a special type of tour is the graveyard shift ghost tour, and they do this randomly throughout the year, including the month of October. Most of them are going to be held in October. When I go to their website at their MarkTwainHouse.org. I pull up the calendar for this. The next one available, and I'm recording this right now. It's January 10th of 2024. The next one scheduled is February 24th of 2024. So outside of the month of Halloween, these are going to be kind of random. You know, they're going to be thrown in there. I think the the one after February landed in April. So it's not happening very frequently, Um, It's happening kind of at random, but they do them throughout the year. And you can go sign up for these if you're around during that time. Adults for this one are $31.25. Children between the ages of 10 and 16 are only $23. They do not recommend anyone under 10 years old to do this tour. And this is guided. Every single tour that you go to in this museum is going to be guided. They do not let you just walk around the house on your own. And it is 70 minutes long. Throughout this, they're going to talk about Mark Twain, kind of some of his beliefs in the paranormal. Um, And they're going to talk about the tragedy that occurred in the house. They're also going to talk about all the different stories that we talked about. But they're going to get into more detail than what we did, of course, right? They've got all kinds of maybe even experiences themselves as tour guides. And yeah, that's going to be just over an hour long that you get to go in and actually ghost hunt a little bit in the house.
1: How cool would that be? And the price is super reasonable, if you think about it. Like, I don't know how many people are going to go on this tour. But, I mean, if you go to some of these major haunted locations and you get, uh, you know, an hour, two-hour tour, it's usually more expensive than that, I find. And I, I actually appreciate the fact that it's guided. I'd be really curious if it would ever be possible to, like, rent it out for a night like you do some of these other spots I I'm, I know it's not on the website you know based on the research that you've done that would be fascinating but I do like that they're going to get into the ghost stories and I would definitely bring a K2 meter or a digital recorder to try to catch some EVPs or something if I was going on the graveyard tour for sure
0: definitely definitely I, I'm curious to like how much ghost hunting they have them do right like do they turn the lights out do they you know probably not I there's probably a lot of historic like really nice antiques and stuff in there that they do not want you to mess with right so even more so in this house than some of the others like we did a tour of the Sorrel weed house it's one of our first episodes that we ever did that was terrifying they did shut the lights off they did say yeah ghost hunt but even they are concerned about some of the antiques in their house, as they should be, right? They won't let you in there and just after drinking a bunch, which, you know, you tend to do when you're in Savannah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is even more so. This has a lot more stuff in it. if you look at the pictures, it's, it's more opulent. It's, it's more restored. They're going to be very cautious uh, around their things. They, they don't want anyone destroying expensive items.
1: Which makes a lot of sense. And so they might limit something like that to a specific room uh, or something like that. I I could see them saying, okay, well, we're going to the basement. We're going to take a few minutes to, you know, ghost hunt. Maybe if there's less, you know, valuable objects. But again, it doesn't need to be dark for something to happen. That's the other thing you really have to to remember. It's certainly spookier when it's dark in a haunted Mm -hmm. location. Like I get... a much more frightened because you just don't know what's going to be coming out of that darkness. But at the end of the day, we've experienced stuff a lot in a room that is fully lit um, in a lot of the experiences that we've yeah. had. So so don't walk away from this thinking, I'm not going to see anything. It's not a full ghost hunt. We went to, oh my gosh, what was the name of that house in uh, San Diego? The Whaley House. Oh, yeah. And I mean it was dimly lit right because it's dark and that place is really known for being haunted but you experienced something there during the tour yes. as well during a guided tour and it wasn't like they were like okay go investigate no i mean the lady was talking and explaining you know that room in particular while you experience something so even with the guided tours guys there is an opportunity to have something happen at one of these places.
0: No doubt about it. Yeah, this is a really cool place. Go online, check out the pictures. If you happen to be in the Hartford, Connecticut area, this would be a great spot. It's affordable, it's a cool piece of
1: history, and potentially you can run across ghosts. Well, this place sounds amazing. I also think Connecticut, we've done a couple episodes in Connecticut, but we've never personally been there. There's a there's a few places that that I think would be really cool to go to the East Coast and check out. And it's also just so old in that part of the country, too. So I feel like if we did a vacation in that part of the country, it would open doors to a lot of different locations for us to go to. Well, we want to thank everybody so much for listening. Don't forget, leave a review, tell your friends and family. We appreciate all of our listeners so much. Thank you all. Yeah, have a great week. Thanks for listening.